everyone, and welcome back to Who's There. I'm your host, Allison. If you're new here, thank you for joining us. This is a podcast where I talk to a new horror fan every week because I hope to destigmatize what it means to be a horror movie fan. Because most of us are just regular people who like the adrenaline rush of being scared for some reason. And here we, del- we delve into those reasons. I hope everyone had a spectacular Halloween. Mine was pretty chill, except that I got to go see The Ring from 2002 on the big screen on 35mm. So that was amazing. This week, I have a lifelong horror fan named David Dobson on the show, and I'm really excited to share the conversation with you. He got into horror like many of us did when we were unsupervised as children watching TV back in the 90s. We talk a lot about Halloween and all of its sequels, including the newest Halloween Kills, which is where David recounts his notable theater-going experience from later in the episode. He also recounts in detail the scene from Freddy's Dead that he watched as a kid that stuck with him through his entire life and how he gets through watching movies with a lot of gore nowadays. One last thing before we get into this episode, if you love the show and haven't left us a review on iTunes yet, I'd be so grateful if you could take a second to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, as well as subscribing to our feed wherever you listen to us. Thank you to everyone who's already left us a review. It's so appreciated as it really helps people to find us. I think I've rambled enough, so let's get into this episode with David Dobson. Hey, David, how are you? I'm fantastic. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Do you want to start by telling everyone a little bit about yourself, where you're from, etc.? Um, yeah, uh, name's Dave Dobson. Um, I live in, currently live in Flint, Michigan. Um, grew up on the East Coast, Wilmington, Delaware, uh, in and around the Philly area. Um, I, uh, work a lot and try to fit in as much horror as I possibly can. So my life kind of revolves around work and horror movies at the moment. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you for being here. Um, First things first, what's your favorite scary movie? I've put a lot of thought into this and I can't narrow it down to one, but I can narrow it down to three. So I'd have to go with um, original 1973 Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, Scream, of course, is up there and um, Blair Witch Project. Awesome. Uh, are you looking forward to Scream 5? I, mm, yeah, a little, I'm a little nervous. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> Have you watched the trailer that came out for it? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. There's something about it, like aside from, you know, the three originals being in the trailer, the rest of it just kind of felt like it just kind of felt like another season of the MTV series. And I don't know how I feel about that. (laughs) I have not watched the MTV series. Would you recommend it? The first season is good. The rest of it was trash. All right. All right. Good to know. I'll have to see if I can find somewhere to stream it. The first season, at least. So why don't you tell me, how did you first fall in love with the horror genre? Um, I think that kind of comes from my dad. Um, when I was a kid, I remember my dad having this, he would do these elaborate haunted houses like through his house. Um, the way it was kind of set up is it's one of those old um, like 1930s townhomes that was built. Um, it was one of those situations where there was, they built a factory and then built a neighborhood around the factory for all the employees. 
And then the factory, a different company took it over and they sold the neighborhood off privately. And um, my dad bought one of those homes in the seventies. And the way it's set up is like, you walk in the front door, you're in the living room, you walk straight through the house, through the dining room, through the kitchen, straight out the back door into the backyard. And so he would build these elaborate mazes where you walk in the front door and you're just, you're walking through all these mazes and it takes you all the way through the house. And he had a buddy that built him an actual full-size coffin and he would like dress up like Dracula and hide in the coffin. And then when people walk by, he'd jump out at them. And I think that was probably my first real introduction to the world of scary. Um, but it really set in when I was nine years old, uh, I was left unsupervised in front of the TV on Halloween and flipping channels. And I stumbled upon a movie I'd never seen before. Uh, it happened to be um, Final Nightmare, Freddy's Dead. And I remember... I mean, it was obviously edited for TV, so the gore was kind of minimal and the language was very minimal and I was, but I was fascinated. I, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't look away. There was part of me that was like, it was like one of the, those like forbidden fruit kind of things where, oh, I know I'm not supposed to be watching this. But I remember the scene where um, Carlos, the kid with the hearing aid, he falls asleep, ends up in Freddie's boiler room and Freddie like cuts his ear off with the hearing aid in it. And then he like replaces it with a fake hearing aid and the kid tries to put it in so he can hear. And it's like this mutant thing like latches itself to the side of his head and the volume is jacked on the hearing aid. And Freddie comes out with like this tiny little chalkboard and he slowly expands it until it's huge and then he takes his claw and just scrapes the blades across the chalkboard and the sound is so intense that the kid's head like starts bubbling and then it just fucking explodes and that scene stuck in my head for I mean I can still remember it like it was yesterday and I've probably only watched the movie twice since then and um yeah from then on I was hooked and actually just about six months ago, I found this on the internet, which obviously I know listeners can't see it, but it's a mini chalkboard autographed by Ricky Dean Logan, who played Carlos in that movie. Oh, that's so, so cool. This is one of my favorite pieces of horror memorabilia. That's another thing that I do is I collect a ton of horror stuff. I've got autographs all over the place. Oh, what kind of stuff do you have? Um, I've got a couple of different Jason masks, um, one autographed by CJ Graham, one autographed by, um, Ari Lehman. I've got a screen poster autographed by Nev Campbell. Um, I went to the Motor City Nightmares Horror Convention, uh, back in July and met Danielle Harris and Malcolm McDowell. And I got pictures and autographs with them. Um, Daniel Harris autographed a poster from Halloween five and I got Malcolm McDowell to autograph a Alex DeLarge pop figure from a clockwork orange. 
Um, I have a seven inch stainless steel knife autographed by E. Michael Lerner, who played Mike Myers in Halloween six. Uh, I have a ton of stuff. It's like, I mean, it, the list just goes on and on. I think I've got um, a pinhead pop figure autographed by Doug Bradley. Um, there's a couple others I'm not thinking of, but yeah. That is so cool. I don't have much horror memorabilia. I have a photo from 2011 signed by Wes Craven from when I saw him at the New York Times building before Ooh. he died. Um, but that's that's pretty much it. Otherwise, I have some DVDs. Uh, so that's that's super cool. I have yet to go to like any horror convention, so that's all oh, still so new. much fun. That's all still very new to me. But I just watched Halloween Five yesterday for the first time, so I know actually know who Daniel Harris is. So yeah, I love her. I absolutely love her. Yeah, she's she's adorable in those movies. Um, yeah, that movie though, not not the best. I have four no. more four more Halloween movies to go before I've seen Ooh. all of them. But yeah, <sighs> skip six. Really? Nobody nobody will care. It's okay. Just skip six. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. I, personally, personally, I think that um, out of all of the Halloween movies, Halloween six and Rob Zombie's Halloween 2 are probably the two worst Halloween movies ever made. Okay. Hmm. I haven't, yeah, I have to see Halloween 6, the Rob Zombie movies, and Resurrection. So. Yeah, Resurrection gets a lot of hate too, but I mean, I haven't seen it in probably 12 years, but um, I mean, I didn't completely hate it. It's not the greatest, but, you know. Yeah. I have to ask, did you see Halloween Kills yet? I did. I went and saw it opening night. Nice. I did too. What did you think? You know, I really, this is going to send me on a tangent, but I don't understand all of the hate. I think people hype up movies so much in their heads before they come out. And one of the, I think one of the biggest problems with the horror community is that we tend to, we tend to criticize the things that we love the most in a way that it was never meant to be criticized. Horror movies historically, generally speaking, are trash cinema. Nobody takes them seriously. They're, you know, the acting is terrible. The effects are cheesy. Um, I mean, I love, you know, the quote unquote elevated horror that's been coming out recently, but, you know, when you look at a lot of the older, you know, the seventies and eighties and, and even the nineties, the movies are garbage. There's no way around it. You know, they're not, they're not the most well-made movies. They're not written very well. They're not acted very well. They're just not good. But we love them because they're fun, because they're dark, because they're bloody and cheesy and campy. And when I know that people have high hopes for, especially for Halloween movies, because the original is so good. But I just don't understand all of the hate. I feel like we're lucky to still be getting these movies, especially with the same final girl 40 years later. You know what I mean? It's like, that doesn't happen. 
that doesn't happen. And she already said back with, you know, H2O and Resurrection, she would never do a Halloween movie ever again. She was done. You know, Jamie Lee Curtis was done. She wanted out. And so the fact that they were able to bring her back in for this trilogy, I mean, that enough, that, or that for me is enough to say, you know what, I'm just going to take it for what it is and I'm going to enjoy it and I'm going to have fun with it. And yeah, there are some things that annoyed me about Halloween Kills, you know, the whole mob thing, the evil dies tonight. Yeah, it was a little overdone and it was a little cheesy and, and, but I don't know. I loved it. I had a blast. My girlfriend and I, we went, um, and it was, it was a lot of fun. There were some other things happening, um, which, uh, I know one of your questions later has something to do with noteworthy experiences in a theater. So I'm going to save that for that. Cause yeah. Awesome. Well, I'm, I'm glad you had such a good time at it. Um, so when you originally emailed me, you said that you loved uh, A24 movies. Uh, do you want to start by telling me what draws you to A24 movies? Because they're definitely an acquired taste for some people. Yeah, I think, um, I don't know. I'm just, I'm the kind of person that I like when a movie takes its time you know, to set up and slowly builds the tension. Uh, and I think Midsommar is probably one of the better examples of that. You know, there's this general feeling of unease and, and you're just uncomfortable the entire movie. Um, but then, you know, the last 20 minutes or so of that movie just ramps it up to 11. And, you know, you're not really quite sure exactly what's happening uh, and then when all said and done, you're just like left breathless. Like you don't, it's, it, you know, it takes a while to really digest everything that just happened. Um, and I think that A24 specifically, a lot of their movies, I, I feel like they're going out and specifically finding, you know, uh, writers that want to do that in particular. Um, I think they've, they've done some movies that were, not all that great. I wasn't a huge fan of St. Maud. Yeah, I wasn't either. <laughs> um, but it seems like every time I see a movie that's, um, you know, associated with A24, there's a lot of hype around it and a lot of positive reviews and for good reason. So anytime I see something from A24, I'm going to at least give it a chance. Nice. Um, so you sound like you like slow burn movies? It, I have to be in the right mood for it, but yeah. Okay. Did you see The Black Coat's Daughter? No, but it is on my list. Yeah, that's very much a slow burn movie. So I would, I would definitely recommend that you watch it. It's not A24. I was just looking that up. It's not A24, surprisingly, but it is, it is very much a slow burn. And you also said you love cheesy 80s horror movies. What's your favorite cheesy 80s horror movie? I mean, really any of the Jason movies, um, that's, uh, that's my, my real go-to comfort horror, you know, anything Friday the 13th, um, probably specifically part four and part six. Um, but yeah, I mean, I could watch those movies three, four, five times a year and not get tired of them. 
Uh, I'm not sure why. I don't know what it is about it. But uh, yeah, there's just there's something that's always sort of drawn me to Jason and the Friday the 13th franchise. Um, but I, I love all of them. I mean, the only big like 80s franchise that I wasn't a huge fan of was Child's Play. Like Chucky and Dolls in general just don't really do it for me. Um, same goes for like Annabelle. I'm just not, you know, uh, and it's not that like I'm afraid of dolls or anything like that. It just, it literally does nothing for me. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's fair to say that dolls aren't scary because they're dolls. So I, I get that. Yeah. <laughs> Did you watch on Netflix, the episode on Friday the 13th of the series, the movies that made us? No, that's another one that's on my list. I saw it on there. Um, I was a few days ago after work. Um, I work second shift and I usually don't get home till about one 30 in the morning. Oh, wow. And then um, my girlfriend and I, she also works second shift. So like, we'll usually stay up till three thirty, four o'clock, you know, and when I get out of work, uh, you know, we'll either watch a movie or a couple episodes of whatever show we're currently binging. And I was flipping through Netflix and I saw, excuse me I saw that on there I was like oh yeah I'm gonna definitely have to watch those but I haven't gotten around to it yet nice I think I've only seen the first two or three Friday the 13th so I have a lot to do on catching up with that after I finish Halloween yeah yeah like I said four and six are probably my favorites and then after seven it really goes downhill (laughs) (laughs) um I've heard the argument that Jason and Michael are too similar. How do you feel about that argument? There's a lot to unpack that. I mean, I could see the average horror viewer that's not super invested. Um, I could see where they could get that idea. I don't agree with it. Um, There are certainly some similarities and from the outside looking in, they very much look you know, like very similar characters, you know, considering neither one of them ever really dies and there's sequel after sequel after sequel after sequel. Um, but they are two completely different characters. Um, I mean, I just saw a video the other day. It was like this theory that Jason Voorhees is actually a deadite from the Evil Dead universe. So who knows? <laughs> that's that's interesting. Huh. I've, yeah, I've only seen Evil Dead in the remake. I tried watching Evil Dead 2 and I couldn't get through it. So, which I know is a very unpopular opinion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to get into that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you you know from listening that I don't like cheesy 80s horror. So that's just right. not my not my genre. It's fine. Right. <laughs> uh, so what's your favorite subgenre in horror? Probably slashers. Um, I think they're the easiest to just jump into. You know, like I said, I think I think slasher films for horror fans um, are probably the most common sort of comfort horror. And um, they're just easy to watch. You know, you don't have to put a lot of thought into it because clearly not a lot of thought was put into the movies. Um, You know, you can just kind of watch and have fun with it. And I think that's what I really love about it. Yeah. Do you have any favorite horror directors? Oh, um, Carpenter, obviously, Craven. Um, 
I'm definitely excited to see what Ari Aster does next. Yeah, me too. <laughs> um, but also, and this, I don't know if this is an unpopular opinion, but it's not one I hear very often. I'm going to go ahead and throw Darren Aronofsky in there. Um, I think Darren Aronofsky is very much a horror director. I think that his movies are more psychological horror, but they very much fall under the horror umbrella. Um, I remember the first time I saw Requiem for a Dream, I was probably 15 years old. And yeah, yeah a little young for that movie. Um, but considering how deep and dark it gets. And that movie put me into this like downward spiral of depression that I shit you not lasted four or five days. That movie fucked me up. Um, and I've watched it a few times since and never really had the same reaction to it. But um, yeah, I, if, if a movie can have that much of a profound effect on you in such a negative way, that's a horror movie. Yeah, I don't care who you are. That's absolutely a horror movie. Um, Mother is another great example. Absolutely a psychological horror movie. I mean, it has a lot of uh, different themes and, and ideas that he plays with, and some of it is a little heavy handed, but it's absolutely a horror movie, you know, and I haven't found a single Aronofsky movie that I didn't enjoy at least a little bit. Yeah. But um, yeah, he's definitely, definitely on that list. Yeah, that's a that's a great pick. I definitely think his horror, his movies are horror movies, um, and I think that Screw the Dare program show junior high school and high school kids Requiem for a Dream that will Absolutely. at least keep them off heroin. I so. swear, <laughs> and I you know I never really thought about it like that, but um, I've never once in my life tried hard drugs ever, and I think that movie might have something to do with it. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah, it's terrifying. I I was rewatching it before I went out to Brighton Beach in Coney Island a couple months ago, and I was like, oh, it's a good time to rewatch this. Um, and I did, and I was like, oh, this movie, this movie is not fun, but it's a great movie. It's it beautiful. really is. Yeah. <laughs> so, why do you think the people who seem perfectly sane love the horror genre? Oh, man, I think there's so many reasons for it. I mean, for some people, it's, you know, it's one of those cathartic things where um, you get to, I think there's catharsis on many levels when it comes to horror movies, because on the one hand, you get to face your fears in a safe environment, but also um, for some people who may or may not hang on to some aggression in their lives, they get to sort of... Uh, playfully take that out on uh you know the innocent you know watching the killer you know walk around and and stalk teenagers and cut them up into little pieces and kill them in creative ways you know it's it's um again a safe way to sort of vent that um an article came out last year that said that horror movie fans were handling lockdown better than non-horror movie fans why do you think that was i think we're just used to seeing the worst of the worst and being able to cope with it. And it kind of um, desensitizes us to the horrible things that happen in real life. And being on lockdown just gave us an excuse to watch more horror movies. 
Definitely. Did you watch any pandemic horror movies during the course of the pandemic? I did watch Contagion. Um, trying to think. It was super early on. Like I remember when quarantine started happening here in Michigan and um, the company that I work for is one of the big three auto manufacturers and they shut us down I want to say the second or third week of March and I think it was like my third day off I was like I, re I remembered seeing contagion and I was like well that's like worst case scenario. So let me just go ahead and take a peek at that again and see how bad this can really get so that I'm at least a little bit mentally prepared. Um, of course, it didn't really end up being that bad, but yeah, yeah. So that was definitely one. Um, I think there was another one. Oh, The Bay. Mm. Um, that one, you know, it's not necessarily like a quarantine kind of movie but it's definitely one of those ones that you know it's it's something that you know spreads very quickly um that's that's been a favorite of mine for a while too because uh it takes place in maryland and i actually you know kind of grew up in those waters um my dad had a boat when i was a kid and we lived on the boat on the Chesapeake River um, in the summertime. Oh, wow. So it was like, oh, cool. So growing up as a kid, like all of that maybe could have happened. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I watched I watched that movie a few months ago and I was like, this is why I don't go in the water. I don't know. Oh, I love the water. I love going in the water. I mean, I am still I am fish. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, I mean, in Michigan, you know, we're surrounded by lakes and yeah. uh, I'm swimming constantly, you know, when I'm not working, I love going to the lake. I love, I miss the East coast so much because I love the ocean. You know, it doesn't matter how many times I watch jaws or the bay, like my ass is in the water <laughs> all the time. I love it. Do you like the movie jaws? I do. I definitely, um, definitely appreciate it for what it is. It's absolutely a classic. It's not something I go back to regularly. Um, but it, yeah, it's definitely up there. So you said you watch horror movies with your girlfriend. So I'm assuming she's a horror fan. Yep. Nice. Um, do you remember what the first horror movie was that you watched together? Ooh, uh, I have no idea. Because we watched so much horror together that yeah. I couldn't. <laughs> I, we've only been together. We actually met at the beginning of quarantine. We've only been together for about a year and a half. Um, that was a weird situation too. <laughs> like we're both off of work and I think we met on like Facebook dating or something. Cause I was just kind of like peeking around, seeing what was out there and wasn't really planning on meeting anybody, obviously, because we're all supposed to be on lockdown and, um, it just sort of happened, but yeah, I can't, uh, I can't remember exactly what the first one we watched together was. I know the first movie that we went and saw in theaters was um, Halloween 2018, last Halloween. Um, we went on a double date with two of my coworkers. So that was fun. Were they showing it somewhere uh, in yeah. Michigan? Yeah, we had, because um, we had this, this period uh, 
where things were kind of starting to open back up and then like right before Thanksgiving, they shut everything down again. So the theaters were briefly open. And um, of course there weren't any like new movies to show, uh, but the one theater near us uh, decided to do um, on Halloween night, they did uh, two showings of the 2018 Halloween. And knowing that kills and ends were coming out, we figured, hey, why not? Let's, you know, let's go check it out. Awesome. How, what do you think about Halloween 2018? I love it. I love it. I think it's a great sequel to the original. Um, I think it was necessary because the Halloween sequels were <sighs> ridiculous. Um, I never really liked the storyline, the, the, you know, the plot point of, um, Laurie and Michael being related you know so the fact that they went back and sort of erased that from history and just made it a direct sequel to the original um I I definitely appreciate that yeah awesome I see you have a bunch of tattoos do you have a horror tattoo I am actually in the process of doing a horror sleeve (gasps) what's going to be on it a little bit of everything so I've got let me see if I can. So this is a knife with a banner around it that says, uh, what's your favorite scary movie? Oh. Um, I started with my three favorite horror movies. So I've got <laughs> Scream here. And then right above that, I've got uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It's just the state of Texas with a chainsaw <laughs> over it. And then on the back, I've got the uh, Blair Witch stick stand. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I've got... Um, a little over a dozen ideas i'm just going to cover my whole arm in like traditional flash style little pieces and um the the screen piece is sort of the centerpiece because it's self-referential but also references all of the other movies at the same time so i'm kind of playing off the original concept of scream yeah so uh yeah it's it's super fitting and um i see a lot of people with you know, you see a lot of horror fans that do the sleeves or um, horror tattoos in general, where it's like the faces and the masks of the villains. Uh, I didn't want to do that. I wanted to do something different. So everything that I'm doing, it's a piece that it's either like a weapon or some sort of iconic object from the movie, you know, so like for Hellraiser, I'll do the puzzle box. And um, for The Ring, I'm going to get one of like the old school phone receivers with a banner that just says seven days. Um, Another idea I have for American Psycho is to get just like a stack of VHS tapes and just a banner that says I have to return some videotapes. So, yeah, I've got all kinds of ideas that I want to play with. And the artist that I went with um, isn't a real big horror movie guy so I'm kind of educating him as he's working on me like you know every time I bring him something he's like okay what's this from you know and then I like break down the whole history of the movie and everything that it's about and give him recommendations and so yeah he's been super cool about it that's awesome I I want to see photos when it's all done I like the idea for the ring tattoo that's one of my favorite horror movies of all time and I'm actually going to see that on Halloween night in a theater. So I'm really excited. Ooh, nice. I, I saw it I twice remember. when it was in theaters originally, but yeah. it's been a while. 
Yeah, I remember I remember going to see it in theaters. It was um like I remember my mom having to drop me off at the theater because it was like a group date kind of a situation. <laughs> but it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, so how do you decide what horror movie to watch when you're looking for something to watch? Uh that's tough. Um, it depends on the mood that I'm in. It also depends on how late I think I can stay up, you know, because I mean some of these uh some of these newer like elevated horror they can get kind of lengthy you know you could be looking at two two and a half sometimes up to three hour movies and if I'm working till one o'clock in the morning I just don't have time for that you know so a lot of my decision comes into the runtime okay um but no I I mean I keep lists all over the place um a lot of times I end up doing the same thing that just about everybody does and just sort of mindlessly scrolling through Netflix and Hulu and Amazon and Shutter and all the other streaming services until I see something that catches my eye or see something that I've been meaning to watch for forever and finally go, okay, fuck it, I'm watching it. Yeah, I, I do that sometimes too. Um, but I do have a letterboxed list that I try to I try to work off of. So that's why I watched all the Halloweens, those three yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I have a letterbox too, and I don't use it very often. <laughs> um, what is your favorite underrated horror movie? That is a good question. I'm trying to think of something that I've seen recently that not a lot of people talk about. And I feel like a lot of what I've seen recently has been <laughs> stuff that people are talking about because I don't have time to experiment much. <laughs> I'm stuck. <laughs> no worries. Um, do you have any favorite uh, Halloween-specific horror movies besides the movie Halloween? Oh, Trick or Treat. Oh, Easy. yeah. <laughs> Easy Trick or Treat. I love Sam. Um, <laughs> it's one of my girlfriend's favorites, too. She had never seen it before, and I introduced her to it last year, and now she's obsessed. Every time we go into Spirit, she's buying something to do with Trick or Treat. Uh, and we've already been to Spirit probably five times this year. Wow. Um, I've got, I even have a little sam coffee mug oh <laughs> um actually she wanted me to be sam for halloween like she went into spirit the other day while i was at work and she's just texting me pictures of all the different pieces of the costume and i'm like no <laughs> <laughs> i've only seen that movie once but it was it was very cute i liked it more than i thought i would because anthology horror movies are usually not my thing yeah, I'm not a huge fan either, but um, there's something about Trick or Treat. Like, it's just a lot of fun, and the stories are, I don't want to say they're iconic, but they're definitely instant classics. You know, you just even if you take the individual stories themselves, I mean, they're, they're really good, and then you put them all together and wrap it all up and put a bow on it. It's just, it's the perfect Halloween movie. Um, at, at the Nightmare Museum in Salem, Massachusetts, uh, the little kid with the pumpkin head, he's hanging in the doorway. It's very mm -hmm. cute. Yeah. That, I, that was my first introduction to Trick or Treat because I was like, oh, he's so cute. And then I didn't know what he was from. So do you decorate a lot for Halloween? Uh, my girlfriend's been doing some decorating in the living room and outside. Uh, if it were up to me, we would be decorated for Halloween year round. <laughs> I mean, I have so much horror stuff that, uh, you know, I could fill probably the entire house. Uh, I don't know how much the kids would like it, but I could. <laughs>
yeah, I mean, we've got, we've got all kinds of stuff. Um, you know, we're one of those people that like when spirit opens, we go to spirit, not for Halloween costumes, but for decorations. And they're usually year round decorations. <laughs> I kind of wish they would just leave spirit open all year. And then I could just regularly go shopping and buy <laughs> things for the house. Yeah, I've heard that. I've only been into spirit once this year. Um, and I don't think I was really looking at the decorations. I think I need to go back and look, but it's also, it's the end of the season. So maybe I'll wait until November 1st and go shop on sale. Yeah. Because, yeah. Well, and there's always the website too. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think like those... a lot of times if I know that spirit carries something, but can't find it in my local store, I'll just jump online and order it on the yeah. internet. Mm, yeah. I'm not huge into decorating. I have a black cat over there and I have some orange fairy lights. That's usually about all I do. I also have a pumpkin in front of the TV, but I don't know. Cause then, cause I will be like you and I will want to leave it up all year round. And just cause I'm too lazy to take it down. And then yeah. where do I put it? I live in a small New York city apartment. There's not a lot of storage. So right, right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you have any exciting Halloween plans? Uh, not really. I think we kind of got like our Halloween stuff out of the way last weekend. Um, I'm probably going to end up working Halloween night itself. I'll be off. Um, I'm not sure what she's doing with the kids, if they're going trick or treating or what the plan is there. But, you know, once the kids are in bed and settle down, then, um, her and I are probably just going to lay down and watch a movie. Nice. Very cool. So are there any horror movies that you won't watch or that you won't watch ever again? Um, there aren't many. I go through phases where there's times where I'll intentionally seek out extreme horror um, just to see what's out there, I guess, out of a sort of morbid curiosity and, and fascination. Um, I won't watch a Serbian film. Uh, I won't even consider that horror. Um, I tried. I, I, I really did. I got through, I think I watched like the first 20 minutes and I was sort of simultaneously reading about it as it was playing in the background. And I was just like, Nope, fuck this. This isn't this isn't worth it. Uh, Cannibal Holocaust. I've watched it. Um, I watched it once and I started to watch it a second time a couple of years ago and didn't finish it. I don't know if that's something that I'll ever watch again all the way through. Um, but I mean those are probably the two most notorious. Um, and I can say that I've at least watched one of them and I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. I don't think anyone would hold that against you. Um, I saw at the Brooklyn Horror Film Festival last week, I saw a movie called The Sadness, which is a Taiwanese zombie movie. Mm -hmm. If you ever have the opportunity to stream it, I don't think it's not available for streaming yet. But um, if you ever have the opportunity, I think that would maybe be considered extreme horror. It was, I, I feel like it was just bordering on exploitative, 
but so it was, I didn't know anything about it going in. I knew it was a zombie movie. Right. Um, but, and then when they were introducing it, they're like, this is extremely gory and brutal. And there's a lot of violence, including sexual violence. And I was like, Oh God. <laughs> so yeah. yeah that's, that's, that's one thing that like sexual violence is something that I don't necessarily have a problem with, but it's something that I have to, if I know that it's going to be in a movie and I know that it's particularly graphic, I mean, some movies, you know, they kind of, they hint at it. They might even show a little bit, but it's not super graphic, super explicit. I can handle that. That's fine. Um, other movies tend to linger on it a little bit unnecessarily. Uh, and if I know that that's the case, it's not something that I'll immediately reject, but it's definitely something that I have to like psych myself up for a little bit, you know, and kind of, I guess, put up mental blockers, you know, so that that image doesn't really stick around I just sort of get through it to get to the rest of the movie yeah definitely I don't think that they hung hung around on the sexual violence for a long time but it was included in the movie and they were like we just don't want anyone to be triggered or not know what they're going into so yeah yeah I think trigger warnings are super important um does the dog die is yes (laughs) a great great resource i mean i don't personally use it because like i don't really have any real triggers um but for people that do it's absolutely a fantastic resource especially in the horror community yeah definitely anytime i'm watching a horror movie and i see an animal i immediately go on it and i'm like oh god what's gonna happen so so getting back to the question that you knew was coming have you ever had any noteworthy experiences seeing a horror movie in theaters yeah, so uh, last Friday, opening night uh, for Halloween Kills, um, I figured it was just going to be the average uh, opening night viewing experience. We went to the last showing. It was like 9.35 or something. Um, we get in there and the theater is packed and we had one group of people like right behind us um, that were a little loud. Uh, one guy thought that he was like the resident stand-up comedian. And I was about to tell him to, you know, either go find an open mic night or shut the fuck up. Cause nobody cares about your stupid jokes. Uh, but no, about 10 minutes into the movie, the movie just stops. And we're like, what the hell's going on? And then, um, a bunch of people from the theater, they like walk in and they're like, okay, so a bunch of you aren't in your assigned seats. Like you're not in the seats that you bought tickets for. <laughs> so if you don't have a ticket, a valid ticket for the seat that you're sitting in, you can either stand up and find your seat or you can get out. Wow. And then we started walking around and like checking everybody's tickets and making sure they were in the seats they were supposed to be in. And then nobody was cooperating. So they said, all right, fuck it, everybody out. And they emptied the theater, made us all go back out to the hallway, out into the lobby. And then we had to get in line and they like physically checked our tickets one by one as we filed back into the theater. And then they restarted the movie. 
But yeah, so we just had a couple of punk assholes that, you know, either snuck into the movie or bought tickets for shitty seats and decided they were going to sit wherever the hell they wanted. And yeah. Oh, that is so annoying. And that's it. That's amazing that they knew to do that. Um, the people who were at the movie, the who owned and operated the movie theater. I'm not, how do you think that they knew that people were there and like not sitting in their assigned seats? Because there was a group that came in knowing that they had purchased specific, oh, okay. specific seats and their seats were already taken and they went out and complained. Oh, okay. See, in New York City, that doesn't happen. The people whose seats are taken just tell the people who have taken their seats to get the fuck up usually it works yeah i think i think it was a group of teenagers Mm -hmm. that were coming in and so you know being a bunch of kids they probably didn't want to cause a fuss and the people that were in their seats were a little bit older Mm -hmm. so there wasn't much of a threat there yeah i think that's why they just went straight to management yeah, that's that's probably a smart idea. I was when I went to go see Old a couple months ago, um, the previews had just started and my friends and I were like still kind of talking like the lights hadn't even gone down yet. And the guy in front of us who was with his girlfriend turned around and screamed at us. Are you going to shut the fuck up or are you going to talk the entire movie? We're like. My my friend's wife went out and got the security guard and they knew who we were talking about and apparently they were wasted. So Ooh, yeah. uh, the woman next to that couple started like backing us up and then the guy's girlfriend started trying to pick a fight with her. So they, they were escorted out. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. The, the group that was behind us, they were definitely all drinking. Um, and people like that are the reason why I don't think they should serve alcohol in movie theaters. Yeah. Um, I get for some people that, you know, they like the idea of being able to grab a beer or, you know, whatever and go and enjoy a movie. But at the same time, you have people that can't control their alcohol, that they don't know their limit. They don't know when enough is enough and they treat it like it's a bar and they just want to go and have fun. And they're not thinking about the other 80 people that are in the theater that are there to watch the movie. And um, yeah, so I'm, I'm, thoroughly against serving alcohol in movie theaters but it's very common up here i don't think i know there's one theater in the mall that doesn't serve alcohol but the rest of them as far as i know i think they do yeah wow um i think i think all the amcs up here i don't think they do but i never i never seek it out so i don't know i could i could be mistaken um yeah but i agree i agree um so what has been your favorite horror movie so far in 2021? That's a tough one. Um, I haven't really seen a whole lot of brand new horror. Uh, I know I mentioned St. Maud earlier. Wasn't a big fan of that. Uh, Ghost Story was good. Um, I don't know if it was really necessarily horror, but it was still a very well done movie. Um, we saw Forever Purge in theaters. It was okay. Um, I still prefer the first Purge movie. Um, the new Candyman was really good. Uh, we just watched that, uh, last weekend too. Um, that one I really enjoyed. I guess, I guess I'd have to say Halloween Kills and Candyman. Awesome. Good good picks. Um, I know 
there's not much time left in 2021. So I want to change my question to what horror movie are you most looking forward to seeing in the rest of 2021 or 2022? Scream 5 is up there, even though I'm a little nervous about it. Um, hmm. I'm really curious to see uh, what they do with the Hellraiser reboot. Yeah, me too. Um, I think that's going to be, if it's done right, I think that's going to be really, really good. Um, what else? Oh, the new Texas Chainsaw. That one I'm definitely looking forward to. Um, I'll always watch a Texas Chainsaw movie. It doesn't matter how many times it gets remade, rebooted, revamped, sequelized, prequelized. I'll watch them all. Um, yeah, so I'm excited for that one for sure. I've only seen the first Texas Chainsaw, the original. Which What sequels would you recommend that I watch? So... Probably the best Texas Chainsaw to watch if you've only seen the original is the 2003 remake with Jessica Biel. Okay. I don't think it, I've ever heard anyone say that that one is good though. It's, I really enjoyed it. I think the way that they modernized it without, I mean, it still takes place like in the seventies, but just being, you know, uh, an early 2000s movie. It has its issues for sure. Um, but I think for what it was, it was pretty well done. And it's still uh, up there as one of my favorite early 2000s horror movies. I mean, it's up there with like The Ring and The Grudge and, you know, um, I guess Scream 3 even though Scream, well, yeah, Scream 3 was 2001, so that's still early 2000s. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't have a problem with it. It's something that I can rewatch almost as many times as the original. Oh, okay, cool. I will, I think it's on HBO Max, and I think it's on my watch list already over there, so I'll check it out. Yeah, it's um, definitely a good one. I mean, it, it, it ramps up, you know, the violence and the gore, of course, um, you know, it, the, the original uh, really doesn't show anything. Yeah. Um, it's one of the things that, you know, that movie was really good at was just kind of giving you um, the hint of extreme violence and gore and letting your imagination fill in the blanks. Uh, the 2003 version doesn't do that. <laughs> they good to know <laughs> go ahead and just let you experience all of it um but yeah I, I mean I don't have any problems with it all right cool um and scream three was 2000 not 2001 just so you know <laughs> oh um, yeah it was it was 2000 well yeah, yeah. okay <laughs> but that's still early 2000s yeah. um so yeah uh, are there any horror movies? I think you may have touched on this a little, a little bit already, but are there any horror movies that you love that people generally don't like, or do you hold any unpopular horror movie opinions? 
I think, I mean, there's certainly people out there that aren't huge fans of extreme gore, which is something that, you know, like um, body horror and quote unquote torture porn. Um, I mean, I don't actively seek it out, but it's not something that I will stray from either. Uh, if I'm in the right mood, I can definitely handle buckets and buckets of blood and, and, you know, um, all the, the guts and dismemberments and things of that nature. Um, but I think, I don't know, um, my opinions on Aronofsky, maybe not super popular, <laughs> uh, or maybe people just don't think about it the same way. Definitely. So since you like buckets of blood, uh, did you enjoy the sheet of blood in the bathroom scene in, uh, in candy in the oh, remake of Candyman? Yeah, that was, uh, that was interesting. I thought that was kind of cool how they did the little, the little waterfall effect coming off. Yeah. The, yeah, that was cool. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I'm getting desensitized to violence and gore, but I, I didn't think that the remake of Candyman or Halloween kills were that gory. But I think maybe I'm just mistaking torture porn and psychological horror for gore. Because I think with a lot of gore, I like it's fake. And sometimes it doesn't even look real. So I don't know. Yeah, I think. I really think it depends on how you approach it. Um, you know, I can look at almost any torture porny kind of movie I suppose like you know hostile and and the saw movies and it doesn't bother me at all you know I can sit through all of it and be perfectly fine now there are certain things that will get to me a little more than others um I used to have a thing for fingernails um until uh about two years ago, I actually broke my finger at work and lost my fingernail in the process. Oof. And ever since then, fingernails haven't really bothered me as much, but there's always, there's that quick, um, that little quick flash scene in the ring, in the video where there's like the nail yes. going yeah. through the finger. Oh. And, and, oh, that <laughs> one still, you know, even today when I watch the ring and, and I see that, I still get just the slightest bit of a flinch, just like, oh, ooh. Ooh. yeah but, uh, no for the most part uh things with eyes get to me a little bit um but that's about it I think it's just you know I I take this approach in horror movies where um especially when it comes to gore and and blood and violence and things like that I try to I try to pick up on like what the the special effects are you know, um, I try to pick up on, you know, whether it's practical or CGI and, and, and see if I could see just the tiniest little flaw and figure out exactly how they pulled it off. Mm -hmm. And so I'm not so much focusing on the violence on screen, but how they achieved it. Hmm. I think that helps a lot. That's interesting. That would require me having to watch it over and over. So I'm not going to do that to do that. But if that helps you, that's awesome. Um, maybe for your ring tattoo, you could get that finger with the fingernail coming off. <laughs> no, no. Okay. No, I don't right. think so. All right. Um, <laughs> if you could remake one horror movie, which one would it be? You know, I, 
I've actually listened to almost every episode of your podcast, and I put a lot of thought into this question, and I was going to say Hellraiser, and okay. now they're doing it for me, so <laughs> um, I don't know. Uh, I guess I'm just going to stick with Hellraiser and hope that they do it right. What would doing it right mean to you? I mean, in the, you know, in, in the original, in the book, in, in the Hellbound Heart, I mean, Pinhead was always sort of this um, androgynous, fluid character. And I don't understand why people are all upset that it's not like a male pinhead. Like, fuck off. It was never supposed to be a male pinhead. Yeah, I think probably the people who are upset about that have never read the book. So Right, right. <laughs> yeah. I hope I hope they remake Hellraiser right too and I don't know what that means I'm not particularly a fan of the original Hellraiser I thought it was a little I don't know it was cheesy it was it was just that 80s cheese but yeah yeah <laughs> um so my last question is if you had to spend quarantine with one horror villain who would it be it would either be Hannibal Lecter or John Kramer for the simple fact that with Hannibal, hopefully I don't do anything to irritate him. Um, I'm probably not going to share any meals with him, but at least there's the possibility for some good quality, intelligent conversation. Uh, and same with John Kramer. I feel like... Um, as long as I don't uh, take anything for granted in his eyes that, uh, you know, him and I could probably have some interesting conversations and uh, maybe share some, you know, deep life lessons and maybe even engineer some new fucked up traps together that hopefully I don't find myself in by the end of quarantine. Awesome. I actually haven't seen any of the Saw sequels. I'm I know what all the traps are from watching YouTube videos, but I'm, I'm thinking that they're probably not as, that the movies are not as bad as I'm imagining, but I still they're just really not. They're really not. Yeah. Um, and I think that even with the body horror and the traps and everything that two, three, and four, just for the story alone are certainly worth a watch. After that, the plot kind of gets a little convoluted and and it's just not all that great. Um, but yeah, I mean, the first four or five Saw movies are pretty well done. And most people will say like one, two, and three, but I would even go so far as to say one, two, three, and four um, are definitely worth a watch just for the story. I yeah. certainly have its plot holes and it's not, the most well-written thing, but what the horror movie is. Um, so yeah, I mean, they're definitely worth a watch if you can kind of psych yourself up through the, the body horror. Yeah, definitely. I've, I had heard that the story we, that was weaved through them was good. So that's what made me interested in watching them. And now I just want to kind of just do it just to prove to myself that I can same thing yeah. with hostile. I don't know if I'll ever watch hostile. Cause I think that's sort of, that's different ish. Yeah. yeah, Eli Roth tends to be a little different. <laughs> oh, we love Eli Roth. 
Um, all right, cool. Well, thank you so much for being here and for chatting with me. Do you want to tell everyone on the internet where they can find you? I know you said you weren't big in social media, but you know. Yeah. Um, my Twitter is at chameleonboy302. And my Instagram, I believe, is dobson9859, but don't quote me on that. <laughs> pretty <laughs> well, sure that's it. Well, I will leave links to all of that in the show notes. So thank you again for being here. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me. That's it for this week's episode of Who's There? I hope you enjoyed my conversation with David Dobson and thanks again to David for coming on. I'll leave links to his socials in the show notes. You can follow us on Twitter at Who's There Pod. We're on Instagram at Who's There Podcast. And if you have any questions, comments, concerns, horror movie recommendations, or you'd like to be a guest, shoot us an email at hello at who's there podcast.com. Until next time, stay scary and get vaccinated. <laughs>